welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We're just going to get right into the story because this is going to be a nice, fun, and quick episode. We have done, I think, like 66 episodes by now, and there are a lot of topics that we've covered, and there are also a lot of topics that were not fully fleshed out uh, at the time of our recordings. So what we wanted to do, well, what Megan wants to do, actually, is to go back through some of those episodes and give an update as to what has happened and what is currently happening now, which I think is a great, great idea. So Megan, I'm going to let you take it away. Thank you very much, Harini. Uh, yeah, so this is what I would call our version of like a weekend update. Don't sue us, SNL. <laughs> I know it's trademarked. But that's the idea here. As Harini said, there are a lot of ongoing stories that we cover. And sometimes when we do those episodes, we don't have the latest information because it's still developing. So I wanted to take the opportunity today to talk about three different topics that we've covered and that have evolved since we've done those episodes. And so the topics at hand will be, uh, we're going to do a burn pits update. What's going on with that? We'll do an update on the Lauren Smith Fields and Brenda Lee Rawls case and an update on Sonny Balwani's trial. He's the former president and COO of Theranos, and his uh, trial is actually set to start this month, so I'm going to give updates on that. All right, so let's start with burn pits. Some big things have happened this past month, in the month of March. So on Tuesday, March 1st of this year, 2022, President Biden actually gave his first State of the Union address in which he called for Congress to do more to assist veterans whose health has been impacted by exposure to burn pits while serving in Iraq and Afghanistan. He has also announced that his administration is expanding eligibility to benefits for veterans suffering from nine respiratory cancers believed to be linked to the toxins from burn pits. Following that Tuesday, it was literally like three days of intensive talks around burn pits. So it was Tuesday, he gave Mm -hmm. the State of the Union address. And then Wednesday, House members held a news conference to discuss the uh, burn pit legislation. Notable speakers in attendance were House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, presumptive advocate John Stewart, the House Committee on Veterans Affairs Chair Mark Takano of California, and Congress- Congressman Raul Ruiz of California. Those were some notable people present at the news conference the following day. Some details about the bill as they discussed on when- that Wednesday, is that the bill does come with a some different source. Different sources said different things. The highest number is three hundred billion dollars, but I think realistically the the bill comes with a two hundred and eight billion dollar price tag, according to Military Times. And I trust Military Times because I feel like they'd be the most focused on what's going on here. So yeah, the bill does come with a $208 billion price tag, which would be allocated as benefits to veterans over the next 10 years. Examples of how that would be broken down include actually Vietnam veterans eligible for would be eligible for retroactive payments. They would receive payments averaging about $13,500 survivors, meaning those who have survived their partners who were um, veterans impacted by toxin exposures, whether in Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan, the Viet- Vietnamese sur- Vietnam veteran survivors um, would receive about $100,000. And then continuing the breakdown of that cost, 268,000 Iraq and Afghanistan veterans whose claims have been denied would receive retroactive payments averaging about $50,000. 
5,500 um, survivors would receive about $160,000 on average. Megan, sorry, just one second. So I didn't even think about this, but clearly this has been going on for such a long time that because when you said Vietnam War vets, I was like, whoa, yeah, this has been happening. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so a reminder. So the Viet, I kind of like I made a boo boo in terms of like how I restructured my notes. I forgot to um, cut and paste something uh, crucial mm. to the Vietnam thing. But actually, the the bill has always been kind of centered around um, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, right? But it does include specifically any Vietnam veteran who experiences hypertension. So um, oh. this is, I was going to say this later in, in terms yeah. of what the bill details, but mm-hmm. what I wrote was it adds hypertension to the list of illnesses that Vietnam veterans are presumed to have developed because of exposure to Agent Orange. So that's why that cost breakdown comes into play. Um, and it's specific to hypertension. So, so that uh, $13,500 for as a retroactive payment to Vietnam veterans, that's specifically for hypertension presumptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So primary opponents to the bill argued that the cost and addition of these presumptives would slow the already long process for veterans to receive health benefits. Republican Representative Marionette Miller Meeks of Iowa was the primary voice for opposition to the bill on Wednesday prior to the vote which actually did pass on Thursday. We'll get to that. Uh, Miller Meeks is a U.S. Army veteran herself, and she argued that veterans already wait months or even years for the benefits they earned, and that problem would only grow if the bill becomes law. She also noted that the projected cost of the bill is more than the budgets of nine cabinet-level departments combined. Quote, we are not doing right by our veterans by being fiscally irresponsible in their name. Quote. That's uh, what Miller Meeks said. And so I just wanted to give kind of that side of why there would even be opposition to the bill, which I do kind of understand the concern about adding all these presumptives might slow down the process. And because we do know that the VA already works very slowly. So moving uh, forward. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Do you have any no, questions? No. So far? Okay. no, I was just going to say that is a, I'm glad you added that in there because that isn't a really interesting viewpoint and that mm-hmm. too from a former veteran so right it's good to get that perspective of why would a veteran oppose this and right. it is interesting like how much money that they're going to spend towards this i am curious as to why it would take longer i think that's that's not that's not our fault that's the freaking healthcare yeah. system's fault like you gotta yeah. work like there has to be a way to streamline a process they are literally working in the stone age since yeah. forever since day one and yeah you know they need to figure out a better way like that's what we need to put our money towards is figuring out a way to to speed up those pr- timelines for people right i i am in agreement there like i understand what miller meeks is saying but at the end of the day it's it's like it's not the bill's fault Right. That would slow that. It's whatever mm-hmm. infrastructure is already in place. Yeah. And it's almost like a catch-22. Like, well, do yeah. we spend the time to focus on the infrastructure, <laughs> which is probably the better long-term solution? Yeah. Or do we yeah. just get this bill in place so that there at least can be access to benefits right. for those who have suffered from you know, toxin exposure? The healthcare infrastructure is slow all around. And I know that there's been change to... There's been some change around that topic, but the VA is specifically a government-run hospital. So the government has the ability to actually make changes to that particular hospital system. So it it's a unique situation where you can implement faster change than if it was like a private institution or academic center. Right. Yeah. 
That's all. And it's like with that two hundred and eight billion dollars, I know that's allocated yep. to the the benefits, yep. but I'm like on some level I mean it's unclear. I'm just speculating. I'm like sure. on some level, uh does that money also just go to funding the VA, do mm-hmm. these things, sort of thing. So yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Um so following so on Thursday, March third of twenty twenty two. House of Representatives passed the bill called H.R. 3967, also known as the Honoring Our Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics Act of 2021, mm. a.k.a. The, the shorter name is Honoring Our Pact Act, a capital mm. P-A-C-T. So if you're wondering, yeah. if you ever want to Google search, um, you know, uh, Burn Pitts Bill 2022, it's called the Honoring Our Pact Act. Okay. Uh, the okay. final vote was two fi- 256 to 174. So mm. passed, you know, yeah. by a large margin. This bill has the backing of the nation's major veterans groups, including, including VFW National, Burn Pits 360 Florida, the Wounded Warrior Project, the American Legion, and Disabled American Veterans. Some specifics in the House bill include that there will be an added 23 presumptive conditions that soldiers exposed to burn pits may have developed. Formerly, there were just three specific ailments that veterans could receive presumptive benefits from, and those were asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis. So this is huge to add to have a 23 added to just three. The bill also provides for retroactive benefits, as I mentioned, to veterans whose disability claims have been denied and to survivors of deceased veterans. And again, lastly, it adds the hypertension to the list of illnesses of Vietnam veterans who have had exposure to Agent Orange. The bill does not include civilian workers impacted by toxic exposure via burn pits. And that was my next question. (laughs) Right. Because I I know we talked about that and... um, it is unfortunate, but it's also like that it kind of makes sense in the sense that like it would be the company's role. You know, That's if true. you're a civilian worker who's contracted by the government, it would That's be true. the company's burden to help cover your health benefits. Yep. So it's I like agree. I do in many ways. I'm like, is this a loss for our civilian workers? And I think, mm-hmm. yes, so, like, the question is, how do we get those people who have been impacted yeah. what they need, especially if they're under, like, a private institution and not the government? So thousand percent. it's even trickier for them. Yeah, because, I mean, my my main thought was to Brayden's dad, right? Because he was a civilian worker that just happened to be literally right next to a burn pit, you know? Right. He, and he was not a veteran, but he was still right next to him breathing it in every single day. Right. So technically you're right like it's your employer that has to take that on that responsibility and as veterans their employer is the government so that's what they're doing right. so how do we just raise right. more awareness for these companies to uh follow suit yeah and what's kind of like interesting to me is that those companies obviously have contracts with the government and i'm like you do have ties to the government on some level and so yeah like what are what would be the steps to hold these companies accountable right so i, agree. I don't know i don't know what that question is or answer is rather <laughs> yeah yeah but it's something that i think we can all look into at some yep. point or 100%. moving forward as this bill passes so mm-hmm. if you wanted to learn more about the 
full details of this House bill, you can visit the House Committee on Veterans Affairs webpage to get a concise breakdown of this bill. We will put the uh, link for that in our notes. Now that the House has passed it, it will go on to Senate for approval. So House is just part one. We got to go to the Senate. The decision date of the Senate has not been confirmed yet, though there is already conversation that the Senate is already having conversation about how they plan to tackle slash approach this bill. Some things that have been coming out is that there there may be a watering down of its fiscal promise to veterans. And and that's one thing that, um, you know, folks like Jon Stewart and um, Mark Takano are going to be fighting against. But that's ultimately where where it ends right now. So we'll see what the Senate agrees to. And, and hopefully they can... Uh, maintain that budget but that might be where things are negotiated makes sense so yeah yeah. we'll keep an eye out Mm -hmm. yeah okay so an update on the lauren smith's Mm. fields and brenda lee rawls story um as a reminder lauren smith's fields 23 and brenda lee rawls 53 Mm -hmm. were two black women who had died under mysterious circumstances on the same day of December 12th, 2021 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The families of both these women were not notified of their deaths and had to do their own investigating Mm -hmm. in order to understand what had happened to their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Both cases were worked by the same two police detectives, Kevin Cronin and Angel Llanos, who have since been suspended and put on paid administrative leave. The medical examination, this is the part that we didn't, we're waiting on the last time we talked about this. The medical examination of Brenda Lee Rawls has finally been released. It's happened about three weeks ago. And the coroner has determined that her death was due to cardiovascular disease with diabetic complications as a contributory factor. Toxicology tests came back negative. The Rawls family attorney, Darnell Crossland, believes there is reason to be suspicious of the medical examination, especially since the unnamed male acquaintance that Rawls had visited on the night of her death has not been investigated. So I I, I understand what the attorney is kind of implying, yeah. but at the but to me, I think the better argument, if you're going to be suspicious of a medical examination, is more like to claim that cause of death is like cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. That is very specific to like that was what caused the death. Right. There's instead of, well, they mentioned the the diabetic complications, mm-hmm. but there's there's cause of death, and then there's like what can lead up right. to the cause right. of death, right? And so. I that's mostly where I would be curious like I I always want to take you know a coroner's knowledge mm-hmm. in faith you know I I want to put trust in that but um there I think there are some circumstances where it's like just because a person died this way does not mean that there were other factors that might have led up to that moment um but that's just speculation so yeah, yeah that's so interesting un- unfortunately because of this being the official medical examination and you know they've decided that this is how she did pass mm-hmm. the bridgeport police have declared brenda lee rawls's case closed oh at this point okay so her case is closed interesting mm-hmm. well i mean of course they're gonna try to <laughs> nail cases as quickly as possible put it in the books right. but at the same right. time like to me this still raises so many questions uh, first off, I'd like to know, I mean, I'm sure there, maybe if we dig a little more, there might be answers to this, but off the top of my head, my first questions are, 
did she have a history of diabetes already? Like what was her medical history to begin with? And uh, I'm assuming this man that she met up with, I believe from the story, she had not met this person before, right? This was Mm. a new acquaintance of hers. So uh, Mm. she meets this man, or at least it seems to be the first time. And then she ends up dead and her family is not notified. It's, you know, like there's a lot of questions surrounding that. I'm not saying he did it or anything, but I think that in itself, like the situation of it all is enough to warrant a further investigation. And I think very similar to um, Lauren Smith Fields, I'd be, if I was her, uh, Brenda Lee Rawls family, I'd be curious to conduct my own investigation in the sense, getting my own autopsy and seeing what that comes out to be. And again, it's unfortunate, but the case is closed, but they're not probably not going to be able to investigate this, this man further. But that's where a lot of answers might come out from, which they unfortunately may not get. So that's just really, really sad. It's, it's really sad and just very interesting. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't really have more. I, I have more in terms of the update, but in terms of expressing, right, right. you know, the feeling that I have about this, I just, it's kind of like this feeling of just loss and confusion. And yeah. I, but I don't, I, I can't imagine what her family has gone through. So yeah. it's like, it's, that's why I don't almost like want to share how I feel. Cause I'm like, I know it's oh, nothing 100%. compared to what the family had to go through. 100%. So, um, yeah. So, um, Lauren Smith's fields case remains mm-hmm. open. Um, so far zero arrests have been made and the supervising officer of the case has retired. Okay. Connecticut has proposed new legislation in the form of House Bill 5349, which states there will be timely reporting to next of kin by the police mm-hmm. following Good. a death. It will require law enforcement to inform the family of the deceased within 24 hours of identification. Officers breaking the proposed law could be reported to the state's office of the inspector mm-hmm. general. Though lawmakers vow to pass the bill, there has not been, a fi- been an official vote I on see, it I yet. See. So that's just... And, and this, this legislation was inspired by what's happened with Lauren Smithfield and Brenda Lee Rawls investigation. Okay. So that's something that's happened. I think that was proposed about five okay, days ago. Gotcha. So very mm-hmm. recent. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Final update on Sunny Bilwani. One question real quick. Sorry. Do, was yeah, there yeah. the one mm-hmm. thing that I was really curious about that I still haven't found any news on? I don't know if you saw it in your mm-hmm. investigation, Megan, on the update. Mm-hmm. Was the were the autopsy results from the independent autopsy? Did they come out for Lauren Smith Fields yet? Mm. I actually because that, that was I was curious about it, and that was what I was telling you on the last episode that we recorded right. on opioids. I was like, I'm curious what the update is for Lauren Smith Fields on the fentanyl case because, right, that that independent autopsy was started over a month ago now, and. I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. in the news, so I'm just like, why is this not being shouted from the rooftops? Unless there's nothing to report. There right, might not right. be anything to report. Yeah. That could be another reason why. Right. I think one thing that was interesting to observe, maybe a little disheartening, is when I was doing this update research, a lot of Lauren Smith Fields, the coverage around her and what's been going on moving forward, even though her case is still yeah. open, a lot of it kind of just yep. dies away yep. in mid-January. Yes. And 
I don't know. I, my goal today was not, you know, to make any commentary on how media reports on people, but like this is like a huge, <laughs> huge example of just like that when there's when there's pressure from the public to report on something, it's the media does it, but then it's like the moment people lose interest, it's not in the media's interest to report. Right, you know what I mean? Right. And also tying it into how the deaths of black and brown women mm-hmm. are just not covered as high as a priority as white women. I don't know. It's really interesting. <sighs> I'm, I'm trying see. to find it. And when I search that you're 100% right. The latest is from, January 27th and I'm I'm typing in specifically mm-hmm. February at least February 2022 and trying to see like what right what I get as far as I can tell mm-hmm. I would have to look a little bit longer to see if the independent autopsy has come out yeah but I feel like everything oh did you find no something? no no I, I I agree I, I'm not finding anything articles that are more recent from like February but it's just like a retelling of what's going on or it's getting brought up in the news because of Brenda right. Lee Rawls. Like there's more information that have come out recently because of her. So they're kind of like retelling the story, but nothing right. is new. And I know that the right. family would put out that information ASAP if if they had any different findings mm-hmm. or new findings. So my two guesses are maybe it hasn't come out yet, which I find hard to believe because it's almost been two months or the second right reason is it, they found right. the exact same thing that the original autopsy found and they have nothing to share which is heartbreaking right, you right. know i mean there are other you know factors behind the scenes that yep. we might not yep. be aware of in terms of maybe with the working mm-hmm. with their lawyers the families has been advised to just be like why don't we focus on um yeah. suing the bridgeport yeah. police first and then we can you know um right. divulge That's information true. to the media you know, we never know what type of conversations yeah, happen. Maybe they don't want to release that information. So. They're putting in their arsenal if they do ever go to trial, that kind of thing. In the scenario that the autopsy results show the exact same thing as the original, that's okay. Because even in, in our, our original episode, we talked about the fact that the actual autopsy results are still suspicious. Like there's still a lot of questions surrounding as Megan pointed out exactly the same thing with Brenda Lee Rawls. Yeah. She may have died of a cardiovascular issue secondary to, you know, a diabetic complication, but how did she, what are the events that led Mm -hmm. to that? Right. What are the events that led to her, to Lauren Smith fields, having the fentanyl in her system, the promethazine, the other, allergy medications that she had in her system all at the same time we don't know right so there's a lot to still unpack and investigate which is hence another reason why this investigation is still open so we will continue to keep tabs yeah so sonny belwani what's going on with this guy (laughs) oh man i was watching Um, the dropout so i'm like i have so that guy's image in my head which honestly i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say i know they look nothing alike zero (laughs) he looks zero similarities (laughs) anyways right right so that's actually i'm glad you brought up the dropout because actually the dropout does in some ways complicate Hmm. I guess for you know complicate Sonny's trial because whenever there is some sort of form of entertainment that is giving a dramatized Mm. version of what is what were real events it can deeply influence how a trial will go for better or for worse 
So that's what's an interesting thing about Sonny's trial is because we're we have the dropout being released in the same month as his trial is supposed to start. And I will say the most recent episode of The Dropout, like Sonny is someone who has a fiery temper, at least portrayed in The Dropout, someone who um, is willing to do whatever they can in order to make sure operations go well. So that is part of a conversation around his trial in terms of how do you keep that separate from real events? (laughs) So yeah, do you have any thoughts on that or any, any feedback about the dropout? Honest, <laughs> honestly, I was going to say like we could probably even do a whole episode on how media influences real decision making in law. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. and this is a fantastic example. I didn't think about that. Like this this is actually coming out at the same exact time. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is well, at first like I haven't seen the most recent episode of the dropout. Mm. But I've like watched up until like right before Sonny Balwani starts to step into Theranos mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and seems like this really like attentive guy who really cares for Elizabeth Holmes. He takes care of her right, father right. and when he's in the hospital, this whatever. Right. I, I don't care if the spoilers, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he is portrayed in this nice light. He's this, you know, quote unquote, like immigrant person who has made it in the mm-hmm. U.S. He has achieved the American dream, mm-hmm. this and that. Right. So up until that point, I was like, oh, this could definitely sway the trial if there's anyone that's watching this and being like, oh, he's Mm -hmm. actually not that bad, which is exactly what Megan was talking about in the last episode, which is like, I don't Mm -hmm. like how some of these portrayals or how some of these shows portray them in like this sometimes positive light and justified yeah, like a more action. sympathetic light yeah right right which i totally saw with sunny bell one i'm like oh my gosh and all mm-hmm. the other information i know about this guy is like he's horrible so this yeah. offers a different light that i don't know if is true or not so i i can't that's all i have i can only take things at face value through the show right but at the same time i am so curious if in the trial process you know how they have mm. to get people on the jury and they basically suss mm-hmm. people out i'm really curious right. if they're like do you have a hulu subscription <laughs> <laughs> they're just like I show know, us your phone right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> delete all subscriptions yeah. now like that would be a valid they question <laughs> yeah they they must they would yeah. have to rule that out because at the end of the day it's up to the lawyers to decide who they yeah. want uh, on the jury so yeah. but i i would yeah if i was on sunny's <laughs> team i would be like I I would be like this person has a Hulu account. I don't want them in the jury. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's so funny. So so in real life though, Sunny Balwani, based on emails that have come to light, you know, since Theranos is dissolving, it is there is proof that he has a character that can be bullying or you know uh, no nonsense in his management style to a point where it can become bullying or like just very oppressive so those are some things that have been said about him that said so he was supposed to start his trial this month and he and he still might he faces charges similar to elizabeth holmes including wire fraud and conspiracy to commit fraud against investors opening statements were to begin this past wednesday march 16th actually but has been delayed due to a possible covid19 exposure of a member in the courtroom it is uncertain currently when the courtroom will reconvene. So that's that's honestly where we're at with his trial. So just wow. keep tabs. It's It was supposed mm. to start on Wednesday, but now it's been delayed. So we'll see if, you know, another date gets put up for this month. I wanted to do a recap of what happened with Elizabeth Holmes. 
So Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty of conspiracy to commit fraud against investors and three charges of wire fraud. Holmes will be sentenced after Sonny's verdict. Mm, She faces a possible 20-year sentence, but that is likely to be greatly reduced. She is currently free on a $500,000 bail while awaiting her sentencing in September. Mm. There is speculation that she might agree to testify against Bawani if prosecutors (laughs) agree to recommend leniency in exchange for her cooperation. So that's where we're at, and that's what we can... I hate to say the word look forward to, but that's what we can, you know, possibly see in Sonny's trial. And we might also see it in Elizabeth Holmes's trial. She did mention that Sonny was abusive towards her. Mm -hmm. So that will also most likely come up in Sonny's trial, which is projected to last about three months. Wow. Yeah. My gosh. Okay. Well, that will be very interesting if she does decide to testify against him. But at the same time, I can't say that either of them are reliable sources yeah. of evidence. So who knows what right. they'll say. I mean, they, they have a track record of saying whatever they need to do to get the job done. So we right. don't know. But now I'm just yeah. curious, like that trial member who is the reason why they can't move forward, who got COVID. I'm like, were they using a Theranos right. test kit? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, is this all concocted? No, I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. know. I know. That is um that is one thing after watching the most recent episode of The Dropout, I was like I watched the episode and I started cooking and I was like with people like Elizabeth Holmes and Sunny Balwani, you can si- like I think the challenge with people like them is that they can simultaneously be so genuine but also know that the genuineness works to their advantage. Yes. So specifically, I was thinking about how, you know, Elizabeth Holmes, her remarks about Sunny being abusive, and also I will bring <clears throat> in her sharing that she was sexually assaulted in college. Oh, yes. That all mm-hmm. came out during her trial. And oh. I did think to myself, I was like, yeah, so that came out this year. No one was aware of that or like publicly, publicly right. until her trial. Got it. And so I did think about how, while that is something that could be very genuinely coming from her heart, I think she knows how that can also play to her advantage mm-hmm. in terms of getting a, a more leniency in a trial. Right. And I just, I it's, to me, I, I feel neutral in terms of, is that a good or a bad thing? I'm just neutral about it. It's just an observation. Sure. But I also do feel like that's how these people are so successful and yep. can continue to pull one over on investors and things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to just share that observation. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I can totally see that where even with in conjunction with her lawyers, they're like, Hey, if we want to win this part of that is I, I think you should share that this happened to you because it could play right, well right. down the road when mm-hmm. Sonny gets on the stand, you know, like something yeah. like that yeah. for sure. She's, she's not above or below, you know, doing that if it's going right. to save her or make her look yeah. better down the road. And, right. you know, and, and I'm not saying that again, like that it's bad or a good mm-hmm. thing. We don't know what we would do or say in her situation either. Like maybe we're not right. in the exact same situation, but if we're put on the stand, like I can guarantee you any one of us will pull anything from our life to put on the stand to say to save us and not put, put ourselves in jail right. either so uh, it's right. just a matter of her survival at this point whether it's uh right ethical or not that's like a totally different conversation yeah yeah and i i yeah. would even argue that like it in her 
mind it's an ethical thing because it is it's 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 genuine the emotions are real Mm -hmm. you know all the Mm -hmm. pain that might come back from sharing these memories is real but it's being able to also recognize like this is to my advantage in a kind of sick twisted way you know what i mean Uh, so sick sick and twisted that you know to pull from pain will help people to sympathize with you so right but it is what it is you know so i'm i'm more so those are yeah yeah no no i was gonna say i'm more fascinated by the fact that because i didn't realize that that particular piece of information only came to light in her trial because they show Mm -hmm. that in the dropout right like that whole scene is portrayed or that event is portrayed right and that means that they quickly put that in there because it came out not long afterwards i'm sure they were already like in post-production perhaps or like right 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 so just as I was saying what I said, like it came out in the trial, I did think about that because I was like, that would be really impressive if production did get that in to the dropout mm-hmm. literally right after Elizabeth's trial ended. Mm-hmm. But so I'm, I guess I should kind of walk back my words. I do maintain that I think the knowledge of her sexual assault was made public via the trial. Right. But there were police reports from that night that did exist that I think someone who's doing research for a show Mm. about this person could have gotten access to. So So that's weekend update for you all. And that was perfect. Yeah. And it was actually like a chunky episode for an update. I know. I uh, check in the time. That's already (laughs) 47 minutes. Wow. But it felt felt fast for me. It felt fast. No, it was like the perfect bite-sized amount of each of each uh, content so i like that yeah. thanks megan that was a really great update right. for everybody and we'll continue yeah. to do more of these because that was fun <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's good all right guys we are not going to do an antidote this time around because this is more of an update we'll save those for our full-on episodes uh but until next time guys we hope you enjoy this quick little fun update and we'll catch you next week for a full-on behemoth of an episode. Just kidding. I don't know. It's going to be that long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All have right. a great weekend. Bye. Peace. Bye.